This is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Resources, LLC. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to SpecialNeedsFamilyHour.com. Now, it's your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. Thanks for listening today to the Special Needs Family Hour. I'm Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our show is dedicated to helping those parents and caregivers who are caring for special people. The theme of the show is the essay, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. Kingsley describes the experience of raising a child with a disability. It's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy, only to realize that your plane has landed in Holland. Holland isn't a bad place. It is just a different place. So you must go out and buy a new guidebook, learn a whole new language, and meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. Holland is a code word for living life with disabilities. My hope and prayer is that the challenges we all face in Holland will make us better people. Things are going well for us in Holland. Our oldest two daughters, Marie and Christina, are on the autism spectrum and have intellectual disabilities. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is a typical teenager. When we first realized our children had challenges, our oldest two daughters, our girls were seven, five, and two and a half. Maria and Christina at the time were diagnosed with a genetic anomaly. We also realized that they were on the autism spectrum, and eventually we came to realize that they had intellectual disabilities. And through it all, I realized that my biggest stumbling block and my biggest challenge was comparing my children to other typical children. And by doing that, I would just point out other children that were the my girl's age. It might be at church. And I remember my husband being so upset with me one time. He just looked at me and he said, don't rob me of my joy. And what I realized is because I wasn't um, being thankful for my gift and just accepting and enjoying my children, I was taking the joy. And there are always challenges with regular kids and there are challenges with special needs kids. But there is always joy to be had with your children. We have an awesome guest today. It's uh, Our guest is Tawny Collin. She was recently in New York to film Box of Friends. She is the author with Shell Riker of Josiah's Fire. Josiah's Fire recently hit number one on the bestsellers list for special needs parenting on Amazon. And this book is more than a book about a child with autism. It is a parent's journey of dealing with autism. It discusses everything from their marriage to all the therapies that a typical child with autism will experience. So I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Tawny Collin. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames 
This is Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our guest today is Tani Collin, author, licensed pastor, and conference speaker, who delivers a powerful message of hope and restoration. She is the author, along with Cheryl Ricker, of Josiah's Fire. Josiah's Fire recently hit number one on the bestsellers list for special needs parenting on Amazon. Josiah's Fire is an amazing true story of family, hope, and hearing God's voice through a speechless boy with autism. Would you please tell our audience a little bit about your background and your son, Josiah? Sure. Thanks so much for having me on today. I just really appreciate it. Yes. Well, I'm so thrilled you could be here. Thank you. Yeah, so my husband and I, um, you know, we had come to that time in our lives when uh, we were... We were married for a while, about eight years. We were solid in our faith, solid with our friends, solid in our jobs. Right. And we thought, you know, maybe it's time to begin a family. And so uh, we made all the preparations. We did everything as right as we could. You know, I was definitely someone who, um, you know, you get all the baby books, you get all the stuff together. It sounds familiar. um, We purchased our first, you know, single family home. Okay, we're going to start our family. And we ended up having our little baby boy, Josiah, and his name means fire of the Lord. So that's why uh, it's called Josiah's Fire, the book um, that I wrote. But his name is means fire of the Lord. And certainly we prayed over him and we're so excited for him to come into our lives. And, um, you know, the first year and a half or so of life was just really typical. It was great. Um, We were both working full time. um, So that has its challenges, but uh, things were going very well. And uh, it was normal and normal was good. And so that was, that was our experience. And then um, around 22 months old, Josiah very quickly, seemingly over a period of about three months, um, just, st- I'm sorry, a period of three weeks, right. just started losing eye contact with us. He stopped responding to his name. He started uh, turning lights on, off, on, off, right. spinning wheels, losing the words that he had. He had quite a vocabulary of words at that point. Mama, Dada, Banana. You know, he would play uh, Bumblebee with us, and he'd yes. go, and he was just a very social, wonderful little child. And it was like we were losing him, and we didn't know what had happened to him, almost like his pilot light had gone out. Right. And we were terrified. Now, could you ever trace that back to anything, to shots or anything? Well, you know, the very difficult thing with autism is that, you know, nobody really knows what's going on. Um, certainly as a mom, when I trace back, um, there are a lot of theories, but I do feel that um, vaccinations probably have something to do with it. But I know that's a very controversial subject. Yes. Well, it's a hard one because with my girls, they're on the autism spectrum. And I can remember one of them. It wasn't quite as distinct as what you experienced with Josiah. But I can remember her being able to say words in December and they slowly they went away and she didn't really say a word until about a year and a half later. So, but I couldn't ever trace it to anything. So I do feel like it's environmental and that if there's an inherent weakness or something, then a child suffers. Yes, I think that, you know, I I heard a really good um, statement that I think is true. Uh, Genetics uh, might load the gun, but something environmental is pulling the trigger. Yes, and hopefully we will figure that out one day. But I was amazed as I read your book, all that you did to help Josiah overcome that and to get back the little boy you had. And the first thing you did is you needed a diagnosis for autism, correct? 
Yes, I mean, we had been, we, we went to the doctor. He wasn't concerned at first. You know, he thought, well, you know, boys kind of develop differently. I'm not really sure that you need to get all worked up about it. Why don't you come back in about six months? Okay. But something in my knower <laughs> said that wasn't, there's something going on here, and I really want to get to the bottom of it. Right. So we got into all sorts of testing, early childhood testing. Right. Um, we, we went through uh, wondering, okay, is this sensory processing disorder? Is there something wrong with his eyes? Is there something wrong with his ears? You know, what's going on? And we went through that for about four months. And really, it was one day that I popped open the computer, and uh, I think it was Autism Speaks had a video glossary, Yes. and it was showing side-by-side a child who uh, was about Josiah's age who had autism, and then one that was typical, and how they were interacting with toys, and I knew immediately Yes. No matter how hard we tried or wanted it to be something else, that's what it was. So when we found ourselves finally getting, you know, someone in to diagnose it, I already had a sense of what it was. Right. But then when you got the diagnosis, it, the psych, like a psychologist, psychiatrist said it may be autism. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we had found, um, my husband had learned of, of someone else who was a sports blogger whose son had autism, and he was talking about how his son had gotten into uh, 40 hours of therapy and, and how early intervention is just extremely important with autism. Yes. So he had some idea of we need to do something um, and be proactive if we can with this. He's still young. The outcome could be dramatically different if we can just get on this quickly. And so, you know, we started mobilizing to see what was available around here. Well, we had found a great center-based therapy clinic, and um, we wanted to get into it. And so we needed that psychologist sign-off. Um, quickly, and yet we were having a very hard time getting a diagnosis from any of the main people who do diagnoses through hospitals or, right. you know, different clinics like that. So we had asked for a private psychologist to come into our home and evaluate him. Right. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, we get the evaluation, and my heart sank as I read that uh, it was inconclusive. <laughs> and that maybe he was he was more on you know just very uh, low with the de- development, but inconclusive for autism. Right. And I was I was just so frustrated because we were so close, and yet there were all these signs that were pointing to autism, and even that psychologist didn't see it. Right. And what's a, as a mom, you know, <laughs> and and. The whole thing, too, is insurance wouldn't pay for it. And it's obvious he had autism in retrospect, even if it wasn't obvious to some of the professionals at the time. Well, these days, I think other people who have children with autism or very special needs, you find yourself becoming, not that you would ever just, you know, cross any barriers, but you can spot it from a mile away. Oh, yeah. Um, You wonder how it can be so difficult for some of the professionals, too. Right, right. So you got the diagnosis, and then what was great is there was actually, he he was in daycare, but they had a special center just for autism that he was able to attend for about three years, correct? Um, he was actually there for four years. Okay. And the hope yeah. was that he would be back to his old self 
But what you found after that time period was that that was not the case. Well, we had really just thrown everything we could into into this. I mean, we found ourselves finally, um, we had wanted to see what level of autism did he have. Right. And so we went through all the proper testing and we found ourselves around a boardroom table and the doctors kind of gave the pronouncement autism spectrum disorder. And I remember opening up the packet and seeing the line, no known cause, no known cure, lifelong. Mm. And it was really at that moment that my heart just cried out, you know, God, where's hope when there is no hope? How am I supposed to navigate this? Yes. I, I didn't know exactly where to go from there. And yet something inside said, I will always have to grab onto hope because otherwise you're looking at a two-year-old child and you're going, you're telling me that this is just going to get worse and worse and worse. What can we do for this? And the medical field really can't do much at all for it. And so we really had to find ways to see, well, what is helping? And you just, as a parent, you do everything that you can to try to help your child succeed in whatever way that looks. Well, you you took your child to see what they call a DAN doctor, a Defeat Autism Now doctor. Can you explain what that is to the audience? Yes. So, you know, like I said, the medical field really doesn't have a lot to offer. Um, Autism is often just diagnosed by a set of behaviors. It affects socialization. It affects communication. It affects motor skills, sensory dysregulation, you know, picky food. Um, But there's also a lot of stuff that's going on that often isn't addressed by the medical field, whether it be um, ear infection, chronic ear infections, or whether it be bowel issues, or, you know, one of the things that we noticed with Josiah is that he was having loose stools. Right. You know, after autism hit, he was having loose stools. His pupils were dilated big when they shouldn't be. Mm. There was something going on inside, but we didn't know why, what. And so um, we had ended up going to an Autism One conference um, in that first year uh, of the diagnosis. And we learned about some of the protocol that was happening more through the uh, biomedical field, through integrative medicine, um, a lot of chiropractors um, might get trained into the Dan Defeat Autism Now protocol. Yes. So it was kind of the alternative medicine or integrative medicine route. Well, you know what? Let's take a break, and when we come back, let's continue our conversation about alternative medicine and the Dan protocol. I'm here with Tani Collin, author of Josiah's Fire. It's an amazing story of family hope and hearing God's voice through a speechless boy with autism. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. This is Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our guest today is Tawny Collin, author, licensed pastor, and conference speaker who delivers a powerful message of hope and restoration. She is the author, along with... 
Cheryl Ricker of Josiah's Fire, and we have been discussing her son, Josiah, and the many things that she did to help her son, Josiah, overcome autism. He started, he was a normal child until about 14 months, and then he rapidly, and correct me if I'm wrong, he rapidly started digressing over a three-week period. So part of the, part of, I guess, his um, treatment was the defeat autism doctor. And what, what all did the defeat autism doctor ask you to do? Sure. Well, and to be clear, we're, we, Josiah is, is still um, very much on the autism spectrum. Yes. And, um, and we're not on the other side of this. Um, so really, um, a lot of our story is just talking about the journey and all of the things that, you know, we tried. And so the David Autism Now protocol, uh, yes. generally it is really looking at trying to get the child's um, immune system um, and, and digest, digestive system back um, kind of in a balanced place. Yes. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of testing and things like that that's more like, you know, it's blood tests, urine tests, you know, is there mercury in his blood? Is there aluminum? You know, what is he reacting to maybe on a, on a level that is um, causing inflammation in his body? Um, is it different foods? Um, for Josiah, we went on a special needs uh, or a special diet, right. um, uh, casein-free or dairy-free, gluten-free. We did that for many years. Um, we did see his bowel movements improve, and, you know, right. we saw some things improve with that. But, um, you know, with autism, uh, food is just a really difficult thing. They're very adverse to a, a wide range of foods. So we would do a lot of stuff with smoothies, and we would um, have all sorts of different um, vitamins that we had to throw in a smoothies from from zinc and fish oil and uh, right. um, vitamin C and vitamin D. And um, so it's mostly just natural Yes. Um, vitamins and things like that to just try to work and strengthen the system and that would hopefully help with things like attention and speech and motor planning and motor skills and things like that. So we really did as much as we could with that. Um, and we did a lot of different things. We tried a lot of different things. I mean, part of it is when you're doing things, you're always hoping like this is going to be the silver bullet and right. and it rarely ever is. You yes. know, and so you just keep thinking, well, maybe we should try this. We tried uh, MB12, sh- MB12 shots um, for a while. We tried uh, a number of different things. And really what we were constantly looking for was to regain speech. Yes. And yet it just wasn't coming for us. Yes. And, and what's... finally, so it and finally to... we ended up doing the hyperbaric oxygen therapy was kind of the last big resort for us. Um, where you go do 40 dives, and we had heard that it was um, being successful for a lot of children like Josiah. Yes. Um, and and yet, uh, very painfully, after all of that, uh, we just still weren't seeing speech. You know, you would see little things along the way, but for all that we put in and all that we invested, it was just really difficult to not see it yield results. Yes, because at the end of all of this, he was still considered low-functioning, correct? Yeah, by the time that he was five, we got kind of that addendum to autism spectrum disorder because, you know, in the first, in the early days, they really couldn't say where he would end up on the spectrum. It's a very wide spectrum from mild cases 
that are very high functioning, right? All the way to this place of kind of low verbal, I mean uh, nonverbal, and what they call low functioning. And then, so we, by the time he was five, really got another look at this, and basically, um, he was looked at as low functioning, nonverbal, severe. Which was depressing because he had been in school with a bunch of children that started out the same as he was when it came to autism at this center, correct? Yes. He, when he started at the center, he was actually the youngest um, that they had had. And so they had this little guy, and we were definitely very hopeful that being that we got him involved in really intensive therapy at a very young age, you know, you hear so much about uh, the mind is very much able to be molded and shifted and things like that, that right. we really see some great results and that maybe he'd even be able to be mainstreamed by the time that it was time for school. And so it was heartbreaking when we got to that point and realized it wasn't going to be like that at all, whereas some of his peers and even those younger than him were seeing that their lives were really um, improving and right. that they were being able to show what they knew. Yes. Now, after all, I guess after this realization, you he started school and things weren't going well. But you also, I guess it, I have, it was probably around 2011. Now, Josiah was born October 2005. So he would probably be about almost six years old. You saw a video called A Mother's Courage? That's right. This? So after we had been told that we need to really switch to picture communication instead of working so much on speech. Yes. That was a really hard thing, but I realized that, okay, we need to be creative and start looking at how can we help him with picture communication. Any communication at that point would be important. And so um, I had gone to a conference and they had um, something that was a breakout that was nonverbal activities for the nonverbal child. And I went, and they were about children that were much older than him, maybe in the 14- and 15-year-old range. And it was then that I'm seeing these videos, and I was just heartbroken by them saying, really what we're hoping for is that we can keep them calm, and maybe we can help them learn skills like maybe crushing cans or shredding paper. Right. And that just that just struck me like, oh, no. Like, now what? That's the trajectory that we're going on, that maybe he can stay calm, not act out violently, and one day crush cans or shred paper. Right. And I had ended up afterwards watching a documentary called A Mother's Courage. It was in that documentary where there was a portion showing uh, what's called the rapid prompting method, where children, much like Josiah, um, who were nonverbal, we're learning how to spell by pointing at letters. And really the thing that stuck out to me was presume age level intelligence. Okay. And that is not anything that we really ever thought. We always thought he maybe had the mind of a toddler. He didn't understand us. And so even that idea was shocking to absorb. Right. Very profound. Yes. It changes the way that you even look at your child or speak to him. Now, is this the time period where you got where you purchased him an iPad? Um, a little bit before that time, we had purchased him an iPad because we had noticed how he um, was liking our iPod touches. Yes, and how he was so much more interested. And he he had previously just really perseverated on. Um, toys that would light up and make noise. Yes. And all of a sudden he was becoming purposeful with with this little iPod touch. 
so before the iPad ever came out, I thought, we've got to get that for, for Josiah because if it's a bigger version of what we have, this is going to be revolutionary for people with various disabilities and especially autism. Right. So when we put an iPad in his hand, um, you know, puzzles, for instance, that he wasn't able to do physically that, was, that he was just coming back woefully short on at his therapy center, he took the iPad into um, my closet one day and came out um, putting these puzzles together very quickly by swiping at them on the iPad. So I got a glimmer there, even then, right. that I don't think it's that he doesn't know how to put puzzles together. I think that maybe what he is thinking in his mind isn't able to be practiced with his body. Yes. Okay. So it's a communication between mind and body. Now, you went to, right. a, to learn this rapid prompting method. You went to a weekend seminar. I think you said it, it was cost- about a four-day, what's called a four-day camp, but it was just with us. Okay. And um, she worked with Josiah while I watched and also practiced. Um, and, yeah, it was there that um, I saw that Josiah was in there. He was answering things correctly. A lot of it was with choices, but she she was speaking to him um, in just normal ways. Um I was seeing that he was in there, and it just gave me such hope to come home and try it myself. It was the first time that almost immediately I was seeing that something here was going to work. Right. So you did this. Um, you did this for the. I guess that was July 2012, and then about a year later, you did a refresher course with him. That's right. So when we came home, I don't know what it is. You know, as parents, um, our kids can often just really needle us, you know. Yes. So I come home and he's just not cooperating with me. You know, we're trying to do these 25-minute lessons and he's like going under the table and getting up and leaving and yes. spending all this time just trying to get him back to the table. And so, um, and I'm, I am realizing that this is just going really slowly I knew that there were some good things, but it was going slowly. So ended up having a refresher course a year later, and it was at the refresher course that he answered for her an open-ended question, which I had not been given him any open-ended questions. Awesome. And he, she asked, what color do you want the car to, pee, to be? And on these big stencils, he poked out the, the word brown. Uh-huh. And... I was shocked because I had never seen him respond in any way without just mimicking the word I gave him. Right. So this- or that he chose from, like, it's a teach-ask method. So you, you teach something and then you ask that question back and, say, and then you can choose between the right answer and the wrong answer. Right. Well, Tani, why don't we take a break? I'm here with Tani Collin. She's the author of Josiah's Fire. And we're right at the point in her story where Josiah starts being able to communicate God's voice um, through his iPad. So when we get back, we'll discuss that. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. This is Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our guest today is Tani Collin. She is the author, along with Cheryl Ricker, of Josiah's Fire. Josiah's Fire recently hit number one on the bestsellers list for special needs parenting on Amazon. And we're right at the point in the story where Josiah has learned to communicate via his iPad. So about how old is Josiah at this point, Tawny? Just before seven. Seven years old, about? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, so what was one of the first things he communicated to you about God? Well, basically what happened was after our refresher course, um, I, you know, got back with a new vigor, um, getting right. back into the lessons with Josiah. And, um, you know, so we were seeing like he was, he was spelling some very short words, like, you know, like red, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, I was really encouraged by that. But it was actually a month later that I was sitting with him at our kitchen table. And um, I said, okay, let's do let's do a, a lesson, and it was a Saturday night, and uh, he could choose between two books, and one of the books was the Children's Bible. And so I opened up the Children's Bible um, and was reading to him from uh, a passage where it talks about Jesus healing the blind man. And so I read that to him, and then I said, Josiah, Jesus healed the blind man. What did Jesus do? Did he H-E-A-L heal the blind man, or did he P-L-A-Y play with the blind man? You write that on paper, rip that in half, tap, heal, tap, play. He appropriately chose the word heal. And I said, okay, let's spell that. And we had the stencils and stuff, but I had also brought up my iPad and had alphabetical letters in big buttons um, on my iPad app. And so we used that, and he pressed the letter G. And I was like, oh, he's missing it. Hmm. And then he pressed the letter O, like go. He goes on to spell his first independent sentence, God is a good gift giver. Uh, so. And it was at that moment that I just, you know, time stopped. I, I didn't know what, what had happened. I, I was absolutely shocked, stunned. So you were shocked and stunned. So what happened next? Well, what happened next was I... I went back to Josiah and said, yes, God is a good gift giver, but how do you know that? Right. And he goes on to type, God is very capable. And this was continuing, and I'm just like, whoa, what what is happening? That entire weekend, I started asking him all sorts of questions, things like, what's your favorite color? What do you want to do? You know, what's your favorite cartoon character? I mean, for the first time, I'm I'm getting to know what my child even likes. Wow, that's amazing. Because up to to that point, um, anything was mostly, you know, just repeating back what I had given to him or through picture communication, like labeling or, you know, I want cookie. So this was just phenomenal. For the first time, I was able to relate with my child. And this continued on. And, you know, certainly uh, through ups and downs, because there were times, too, where it was like it completely dropped where Josiah didn't want to communicate at all. And, you know, as a mom, I'm just frustrated because it's like, don't, don't stop now. You know, don't, don't take this away. Um, well, but there's that as time, 
Yeah, there is fear. Like, was this like a a moment in time? Did an, a miracle happen? I actually thought he was being healed. Um, I thought I thought we were walking out of autism. I mean, that's honestly what I thought. Mm. Um, but when that wasn't what was happening, but we continued to get, he just kept communicating. But then he would communicate things that seemed um, otherworldly. Um, he started coming out with these wisdom words, things like faith building for kites to fly when there's no wind in sight Hmm. and things that he'd never heard before, things that he had never learned before. And I asked him, Josiah, how do you know this stuff? And how do you even know how to have this vocabulary? And he typed, Jesus taught me the order of sounds. My and I was like, like hooked on phonics or something. You know? <laughs> I mean, this this was not on my grid. I've been a Christ follower on all my life, and obviously, I have prayed and prayed and prayed, but nothing of how this was going was anything that I would have imagined. Yes, it's it's amazing and a miracle. As Tell us some of the others. For instance, in your book, there's a story about going to the Mall of America with Josiah. About what age was yes. Josiah at that point? Um, at that point, he was about seven and a half. Okay. I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Yes. Yeah, so um, Josiah, you know, I, I ended up taking my iPad wherever we would go. And um, I often use my iPad because if he left to his own devices, he just wants to play games and watch videos on his iPad. So, yes. which is normal. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, we would go places and, um, we ended up, um, going to watch an IMAX theater, um, presentation at the Minnesota zoo. And, um, what was amazing is that as Josiah's communication came forward, we were finding a lot of freedoms in our family where we were able to go and do things like we hadn't been able to before. He would have meltdowns before or have anxiety um, that we really at times felt like prisoners in our own homes. And as he was able to tell us things, even little things like he had a rock in his shoe or things that you just don't know, why are you afraid? And we were able to talk it out he started opening up and we were able to start doing things and he really liked going places. And so um, I asked him after that, where do you want to go now? And he spelled out, take me to the mall of America and God will have a surprise for you there. My, I was like, okay. And so we go to the mall of America. I have no idea what to expect. And we end up eating. And then he, he, I always hold his hand and usually he just walks beside me. But at this point, he started pulling me somewhere. And I thought perhaps that he was taking me to a place where there were toys that he liked or something. And But he's just pulling me down this hall. And then he wants to sit down at a particular bench. And he kind of, you know, motions to my purse for the iPad. So I take the iPad out. And I'm like, what's up, buddy? What 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 are you wanting here? And, um, and so he types... Hobnob with that nice girl placing little stairs my way. Hmm. Um, and I'm like, what girl? I don't even know who you're talking about. There's nobody around us that's looking at us or anything like that. And he goes on to type, love is love. 
Tell her that. I'll be forced to voice my love for her myself. Tell her words. Take her breath away. Tell her that love is born out of choosing God, not choosing Wicca, which is like witchcraft, <laughs> right. which she knew nothing about um, in a natural sense. Hope is love, not more daddy issues. Pick a spiritual daddy. It is boy's father. It is God. Choose him, not a brotherhood of robbers, because you need me, God says. <laughs> and at this point, I'm like, first of all, my heart is palpitating because I'm going, Am I really going to have to reach this to somebody? Um, uh, so all sorts of fear was rising up in me. But also I'm looking around going, who are you even talking about? We're in the biggest mall of America. I don't even know who this is. Yes. And so I start looking around and I see kind of way down the way, there's this girl that has kind of a long black cape on um, that has her back to us. And she's talking with a, a number of maybe 20-somethings. And I was like, oh, that's that must be her. And so um, I'm thinking, am I going to have to go over there? And as I'm wrestling with all this in my mind, they start walking our way in front of our bench. And I knew in this moment it was either sink or swim, like I had to do something. So I jumped up. And I kind of explained, you know, my son Josiah, he doesn't speak, but he's kind of, you know, connected in spiritual matters. And um, I just asked her if I could talk with her and kind of, I think I have a message for you. Great. All right. Very, well, very awkward. For right. Me. Well, let's do this. Let's take a break. And when we come back, I want to hear the message that Josiah had from God for this young woman. This is Julie Ames on the Special Needs Family Hour here on AM 860 The Answer. We'll be back in a moment. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. This is Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. I am here with Tony Collin, author of Josiah's Fire, an amazing true story of family hope and hearing God's voice a speechless boy with autism. Now, you're at the Mall of America, and you just have delivered a message to this young woman from Josiah. <laughs> what happens? Well, um, uh, let me go right before delivering the message. So okay. I'm, I'm standing up in front of them, and I'm looking at the girl who has the black cape on, and I'm saying, I think I have a message for you. And I'm looking at the iPad, because everything Josiah writes is saved on the iPad. But at that time... There were no spaces and there was no punctuation. So I'm just looking down and I'm just reading it word for word what he said. And then I look up and I say, does that mean anything to you? And she kind of looks at me and she goes, um, no, you know, not really. Well, my heart just sank because I thought, oh, no, this this was just a sham. Like, what what is going on here? And then the cute blonde next to her, who was wearing a sunny um, yellow tank top, says to me, 
that's not her, but that's me. And she takes her tank top and reveals a five-point pentagram star tattooed on her chest. She says, I'm involved in Wicca, and I've been told I have daddy issues. And I'm not quite sure what to think about all this. And at that point, I'm like, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. The cape totally threw me off. Okay, you. What? Whoa. (laughs) What do you think? Like, okay, let's just put this together. I'm just a mom who has a kid who's in the biggest mall of America that somehow God, the God of the universe and the God of the Bible wants so badly to get a message to you that somehow time and space intersect and this happens. I'm freaking out right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, I didn't feel led to go any further. I, I gave, I asked her to give me her email address. I said I'd send her, send this to her. And I said I'm happy to dialogue further with you. Um, I don't know whatever happened after that with her. But what happened in me was a total shift when I saw that the spirit realm came into such reality and the heart of love for God, the heart of love that God has for people who don't even want him or love him back. Right. It just blew the roof off my love and the way that I look at people. It was an astounding experience. And that's just how Josiah works. It's like he, he can see in the spirit. He can hear in the spirit whether that be through dreams or often angelic presences that he Mm. can either hear or see. And he doesn't just communicate spiritual things. We have everyday normal conversations too. But what's very interesting that in the mundane things of life, these very spiritual supernatural experiences and words are being communicated where something has really secured me and my faith going, I know that my prayers are being heard by God. I know that he sees us. I know that he's aware. And I think that there's a hope that needs to be brought back in the earth again that says God is real. He is active and he wants to be involved in our lives. Yes. And I think that's so true. I mean, that's true for everyone, but with special needs, sometimes you just, (laughs) oh, you get involved with things and you just feel like, does God really understand? The circumstances can be so overwhelming, and still to this day, we deal with all all the circumstances of severe autism, and yet at the same time, I have seen the beauty that God has brought into our lives. Not that autism has brought, the things, the gifts that God has brought for us to look to Him and not autism as the gift, quite honestly. Um, God's gifts that He gives are to all of us, and there are callings and destinies and identities that he gives, and they won't be taken away. Well, it goes back to the very first thing Josiah told you, God is a good gift giver. Exactly. That really became our thesis statement for life after that. No matter what hard circumstances we faced, I've never forgotten God is there, and he's a good gift giver, and he'll give us what we need to walk through it. Yes. Well, can you let the audience know where they can get your book, um, where they can reach you, send you an email? 
Yeah, so for quite some time now, we've had um, a Facebook page called Josiah's Fire. So you can see every day um, different things, quotes that he shares. But also to get Josiah's Fire, um, you can get it through Amazon. It's at Barnes and Nobles, ChristianBook.com, um, really all over in some WalMarts. So um, you can also go right to JosiahsFire.com um, to see what outlets are available. Awesome. Tani, thank you so much. I heard about your book a few months ago. I've read your book. What a wonderful testimony of God's love. Thank you so much for being here today on the show. It's been a true delight. Thanks so much. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860 The Answer. Please join us next Sunday afternoon at 1. Thank you for listening to the Special Needs Family Hour. If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we've made available. And if you're so inclined, please support the advertisers that support this program. Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1, only on AM 860. The Answer. The Answer.